tell you what, leading songs is a lot of work. I'm thankful for uh, Craig and Larry. So, because it was so much work, I decided I'm not going to give a sermon today. <laughs> so instead of giving a sermon, we're just going to talk about a few Bible stories. I'm serious, and I hope I don't get fired. Bill's gone, so Larry, I hope I don't get fired, okay? Now, this morning we're going to talk about a few Bible stories, and I, I hope, I hope it's, uh, it's going to be a good time. So the first Bible story I want to talk about this morning is going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to take a couple Old Testament Bible stories and then a New Testament Bible story and talk about them. But the first Bible story that I want to talk about today is a video that I'm not even playing, but it won't work. There we go. The first Bible story that I want to talk about today is Daniel. The Bible story of Daniel. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 today. And Daniel's an easy story to find because it conveniently lies in the book of Daniel. Right? So open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. And we're going to be in chapter 6 here in a little bit. But I want to tell the story of Daniel. And it takes, this one takes just a little bit of backstory to kind of fill us up to chapter 6, right? Because most of the book of Daniel is about the man Daniel. And so we have five whole chapters before chapter 6. So in the story of Daniel, catching us up to speed, in the first chapter, Daniel chapter 1, is the first time we see Daniel. We see him, and the picture, kind of the movie in Daniel chapter 1, is Daniel's a young boy. That's where we pick up. And if you don't know the story, I invite you to read these first five chapters sometime and, and catch yourself up to speed. But Daniel is a young boy, and he's taken to the king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar at the time. He's taken to the king of Judah, and he's kind of requested to be on a council, a council of young boys, strong, healthy boys that the king himself selected. And Daniel and a few of his acquaintances, which we read of more in Daniel as well, are chosen to be on this council of boys. And he wants healthy, smart, um, intelligent ready-to-become-royalty type of boys. And he takes them from the nation of Israel. And that's where Daniel comes from. He brings them into the court, and he kind of wants them to do two things. He wants them to be servants, in a way, but he also wants them to learn what royalty and what kings live like so that he might make them, you know, high ups in his authority and his kingdom later. So he's trying to train these boys and trying to make them to be trying to groom them to be right-hand men, right? Daniel's one of the boys, and he's brought to the king's palace. He's chosen, and from the very beginning, we see that Daniel is not going to just be like the rest of the people-pleasers, the rest of the boys, the rest of the people. But instead, Daniel stands up for what he believes in. From the very beginning in chapter 1, the way that Daniel stands up is the king says, all right, all of my boys, I just selected you. This is what you're going to eat. You're going to eat the feast which I've prepared for you, full of meat and sacrifices. This is what I prepared for you. And the way that Daniel stands up and is strong is he says, because of my faith in God, I am from the nation of Israel, I do not eat this meat. Do not eat this unclean meat. He says, we will eat only vegetables. And the king is like, what? You have to eat meat to be strong. I agree with the king on this one. You have to eat meat to be strong. And Daniel says, no, my God is greater than that. 
My God has requested that we eat these vegetables and not eat this that's sacrificed. And so the king says, all right, I'll tell you what, 10 days. Everyone else will eat meat and be strong and you can eat vegetables and be a little weakling and we'll see how it goes in 10 days. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar says, right? And so the 10 days pass and at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends that have chosen to eat only vegetables and not what the king has prepared are not only just as strong, not only stronger than the other boys, but Scripture says they were 10 times stronger in health and in intellect than the other boys. It doesn't usually happen to me when I eat vegetables, but 10 times stronger both physically and in their mind space. And what does Daniel do with that? He doesn't just say, I told you vegetables are miracles. No, he says, yeah, that's my God. That's what following my God looks like. And so from the very first couple of chapters over Daniel's story, he continues to point to God and says, yeah, that's what it's like to follow my God. And Daniel continues to be in Judah for quite some time, and he stands with the king. And from my calculations, he actually stands and works for three kings, three kings by the point that we get to chapter 6. And he continues serving God. He kind of steps into this new role of interpreting dreams. But when he does that, he also says, see, this is what my God can do. Not me, but what my God can do. And he stays in power in Judah, even though he was just a little boy from Israel. He points the whole time to his God, the God of Israel. And he becomes strong and powerful in the king's kingdom. And then we come to chapter 6. I hope you've opened up there to chapter 6. We're going to read it together. Daniel chapter 6. Let's go ahead and read through verse 18. So about two-thirds of Daniel chapter 6. And there's some interesting language in here. Um, The first one I want to point out is satraps, is what my version says. Let's just say those are governors. Okay, I might even read them as that, some of them. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 reading about the governors. It pleased Darius, Darius was the third king, the current king, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them were three high officials, of who Daniel was one, to whom these governors should give their account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all of the other high officials and governors because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king planned to set him over his whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. But with no regard to the kingdom, they could find no ground for complaint or fault because he was faithful, and there was no error or no fault that was found in him. Verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of God, of his God. Then these high officials and governors came by an agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And all the high officials of the kingdom, the perfects and the governors and the 
counselors and the governors all agreed to enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Verse 8. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that no one, none of this can be changed according to the law of Medes and the Persians, which it cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, which he had done previously. Then these men came by an agreement and they found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, didn't you sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answers and said, That thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. It cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you've signed, but he makes his petitions to his God three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down trying to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it's the law of the Medes and the Persians, and no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes, none of them can be changed. So then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, who you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Verse 18, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he slept, and slept, sleep fled from him. All right, we'll stop there. The story of Daniel. He grew up in the kingdom. He was powerful. And when we start reading here, he was one of the three most powerful men under the king in the kingdom. He was so faithful and so righteous that the king wanted to make him over his whole kingdom someday. But yet all of the people, all of the governors and the satraps that he was leading, they came together and they thought, how can we get Daniel? How can we get Daniel? And so they came up with this plan. It sounded really good to the king. They convinced the king that no one should bow down to anyone but him. And the king said, yeah, that's that's why I'm king. Let's do it, right? And so they convinced him, and they got him to sign it. And Daniel saw that it was signed, but he stayed faithful. My version read that he would go up in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, where the Jews would pray towards, and he would pray three times a day, petitioning and thanking God. Well, that wasn't a secret for very long, and it never intended to be. So all the governors go to the king, and say, hey, didn't you make this big law because you're the king? 
said, yes, I did. I'm the king. Well, Daniel is breaking the law. And the king is disturbed by that. He, doesn't, he loves Daniel. He's one of his top three men in the kingdom. But he finds nothing he can do, so Daniel's brought in, and indeed, he is thrown into the lion's den. And the king says when he throws him in, sorry, but may your God be with you. May the God of Israel be with you. And then the king can't sleep or eat. He's distressed. He loved this man, Daniel. Wow, that is not how I would have written that. That's a terrible, terrible turn in the story. Daniel is a great man who's serving the kingdom. He could bring all of these people to God. But yet, his belief in God got him thrown in a lion's den to be eaten by the lion. Not how I would have written that story at all. But that's the first story. We'll just go ahead and leave that one. Let's move on to the next one. We're going to go back in the Old Testament even a little bit more. Bible story number two from my not sermon. Joseph. Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. So I invite you to flip back to Genesis chapter 37 with me. And let's read the story of Joseph as well. Genesis chapter 37. We'll just read this whole chapter. Joseph doesn't need much of an introduction because 37 does a pretty good job of kind of telling the whole story and who he was, all right? So Joseph, chapter 37, let's start in verse 1 of Genesis. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings. It was in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers, he was a boy of the sons of Billa and Zipha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. He was the youngest. Well, not quite, but he made a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of the other brothers, they hated him. And they could not speak peacefully to him. Verse 5, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to mine. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed trying to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Verse 9, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, they were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his fathers and his brothers, or to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous, jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture to, father, to their father's flock near Shem. And, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shem? Come, I'll send you with them. And he said to them, Here I am. 
So he said to them, go now and see if it is well with your brothers and the flock and bring me word back. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shem. And a man found him wearing, wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And he said to them, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he even came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams, because he's dead. But Reuben heard it. And he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let's not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing gum, balm, myrrh, on their way to carry it to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took him to Egypt. Let's go ahead and stop there um, in verse chapter 37. How that ends is Reuben comes back because they thought they threw him in the pit because he wanted to rescue him, and he's gone. He sold and carried off Egypt. He was the favorite. The favorite of dad, so much so that the brothers hated him. And he had these dreams, these dreams that shared, oh, all my brothers and fathers, you're going to bow down to me. I'm going to rule over you. And his brothers were mad. They didn't like that. Not only was he the favorite, but he was also going to be bowed down to. So they wanted to get rid of Joseph. And they did. They didn't kill him, thank goodness. They threw him in a pit and then they sold him into slavery in Egypt. Wow, that is not how I would have written the story. (laughs) That's terrible. That's not brotherly love. That's not how, you know, Joseph, who has these dreams from God, should be taken care of. But that's how the story's written thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. It's not how I wrote it written the story. Story number two. Story number three. Man you may have heard of named Jesus. We're going to read a part of Jesus' story in Mark chapter 15, back in the New Testament. So we have two Old Testament, and then we go to the New Testament. Mark chapter 15. So many of us in this room know the story of Jesus, including this part. 
We know that he was a man, but he was more than a man. He was the son of God because he was born to Mary, who was a virgin. He was, Mary was told that this would be the son of God. And we see through his whole life how he, fathers, how he follows his father in heaven, right? He has a ministry. He's baptized by John. He preaches that he is the Messiah. But ultimately, we get to Mark chapter 15, and let's pick up in verse 16. He's following and teaching as his father commands, but then he's delivered to be crucified. Verse 16 of chapter 15, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that's the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. They clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they placed it upon him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Verse 21 And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry Christ's cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what they should each take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read above him, the King of the Jews. When they crucified him, they, crucified, they also crucified two robbers, one at his right hand and one on his left. And those who passed by jerded him, wag- wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who would, to come, who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Huh, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we might see, so we might believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders heard it, and hearing it said, behold, he's calling out to Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him, saying, drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry, and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Verse 40, there was also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the younger of Joseph of Salone. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, And there were also many other women who came up from Jerusalem. Verse 42. When evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, 
who is also himself a part of the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised that he had already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether or not he was already dead. And he learned from the centurion that he was indeed dead, and he granted the corpse, corpse of Jesus, to Joseph. Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him with him, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in the tomb that had been cut from the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. It's not how I would have written the story. <laughs> if you didn't know the story of Jesus, he did what he was commanded and he was persecuted, mocked. We saw like four different times of mocking, hung on a cross with a crown of thorns to suffer and die mocked, gave him, tried to be given wine that might help him die faster, but he wouldn't even take it. And he died on the cross. The most miserable way to die. And he's thrown in a tomb, wrapped in linens, and he's dead, buried, gone. That's it. But that's not it. See? Mark 15 is not the end of the book. Mark 16 on my Bible is titled The Resurrection. Because, spoilers, read the rest of Mark. Christ rose. He was the Son of God and He rose from the grave from being completely dead, crucified on a cross. He rose completely alive on the third day. And you know what that did? That took Him from being a talking guy that wandered around to being the son of God who was God himself because any man can die no man can raise from the dead after being completely dead for three days only God can do that and because he died and he rose again through that it wasn't just that he died on the cross but he rose is where salvation comes from for every Christian in here Salvation comes from the fact that Jesus was not just a man and what he was saying was true, that on that cross, I took everyone's sins. And you can have salvation and follow me because I'm God and I rose from the grave. Thank goodness that wasn't the end. And if we go back to Joseph, that wasn't the end of the story there either. He was thrown into a pit and sold off to Egypt by his brothers they hated him so much. But do you know what happened in Egypt? He was used by God. He was no longer a slave and he became a big part of the kingdom and working for the king, much like Daniel, right? He kept his righteousness and his character and he always followed God. He gave glory to God. And eventually, he showed many in Egypt the power of God. And through his actions... He even saved his own people. His brothers came and returned to him when they were in famine, about to starve to death, and they didn't know who it was that they were asking for food. But he gave it to them, and he saved his own people and proclaimed God to the Egyptians. Daniel, same situation. He was thrown into a pit of lions. We only had to read a couple more verses. The next verse, the king comes back in the morning, opens up the pit, and says, Daniel, are you there? 
And he says, here I am, my king. My God has saved me from the harm of these lions. Right? He's, that's not the end of the story. He goes back and he continues to serve the king. And here's what the king does after he opens the lion's den. And he's fine. He goes back into the city, back to his kingdom, and he takes Daniel with him. And he makes this declaration. Cancels his last and says, the proclamation in my kingdom is that anyone who worships any other god other than the true god of Daniel shall be killed. He changes the entire kingdom to focus on God. But thank goodness I didn't write the stories. Because <laughs> if I would have written the stories, I would have not thrown Daniel into the lion's den. I would have let him keep serving the kingdom. I would have not sold Joseph into slavery. But if I would have done that, all of these Egyptians would never know the power of God and Canaan would not be rescued out of famine. And if I would have written the story, I sure would not have put in our God, Savior, Jesus Christ, on a cross. I wouldn't have made him suffer and I wouldn't have killed him and rolled him into the tomb. But if I would have written the story, we wouldn't have salvation. There would be no way to take the sins of the world there would be no way to share that he was truly God. So for these three stories, for sure, I say, thank God I did not write the story. In the middle of these stories where I stopped reading the text, in the middle of these stories was the low. They were discouraged, disheartened, close to death. <laughs> or for Jesus, dead. And I look at our own world, and how often do we come to the middle where we're discouraged, disheartened, feels like we would just rather be dead than deal with this? It happens. It happens. And we look around our own world, look at recent events. There's probably one you're thinking of, right? You might be discouraged, disheartened, sad, maybe even scared because of recent events. There's things happening in this country. There's things happening in this world. And at the moment, it's the bottom because we don't know how God's using it. But see, God's plans are not our plans. And maybe right now, we're just Daniel in the lion's den. Maybe right now, we're Joseph in the pit. Or maybe we're Jesus at the cross. We see the suffering but we don't see how God's going to use it for his glory. Thank God I didn't write the stories because God's not finished with the story yet. There's no need to be worried, even though we might be scared or sad or in the bottom because we don't make the plans for the story. God does. Sometimes we have to take the hard, discouraging parts, but when we come out of them or when we see the big picture, it's all for God's glory. No matter what it is, no matter what country or what election you just went through, right? Last verse I want to leave us with. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Just a few Bible stories. That's it. 